This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you love underground music and movies, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed shirts, vinyl, CDs, and more. Go to portlanddistro.com. Plug in the discount code MikeHill666 for 15% off at portlanddistro.com. Hello, everyone. 2021, we're in the final throes of 2021. A year that I think most people thought was going to be better than 2020. And uh, in some ways it was. And in some ways it was just a continuation of the kind of grimness of 2020. Wouldn't you agree with that, Ralph? (laughs) Well, misery always strikes every year i guess now it's just like yeah it was a tough year um hello everybody out there um we hope you're not as miserable as we sound right now but yeah this this year was tough and the last one was tough but this one kind of felt tougher but we're going to focus on the good stuff today yeah yeah for sure man so uh actually um one, one of the cooler things is the return of live music uh so Hopefully that continues into 2022. And uh, even though there have been some, you know, some shutdowns and things like that in Europe and, you know, some parts of the States, uh, we're definitely hoping that we're moving into a better world when it comes to uh, both mine and your uh, passion, which is performing and writing music. So uh, both Ulta and Ropes of Night played over the last couple of months. So what was that like? um crazy and awesome like crazy in the sense of being weird i mean it's just like um so Ulta played its final show for this year yesterday because um, we were supposed to play eindhoven metal meeting with like a ton of great bands like my dying brides mugwa and uh of i don't know like a gazillion other bands next week but the netherlands are completely shut down so there's nothing happening anymore we were supposed to go on tour with um uh with niflheim and bolzer and that one's canceled too because from this very morning midnight all the clubs and bars can't host shows anymore um so our show with Ulta yesterday was the last proper live show that's going to happen for a longer time and i guess it will be like this until maybe march next year oh man wow and uh when ropes of night played its first show that was uh september early september was the first indoor show that people here in cologne went to and now Ulta show is the last indoor show that they went to for a long while um the two ropes of night shows we played were awesome and i'm super hungry to play more with them and but there weren't any like good offers so we didn't like play um hopefully next year we've got like a bunch of shows listed already for next year we are going to go on tour next year for a week with photo crime oh nice yeah ryan ryan patterson great yeah, awesome. That would be awesome. And um, for Ulta, it's uh, yeah, man. Like we have we have like a lot of plans for next year. And the the most important thing would be like in April. There's this tour with Unru, the band I just talked about in the last in our Love Songs for the Unloved episode. 
they're good friends. They are going to release a new record next year, and I already heard it, and it will be my favorite black metal record of the next year. No contest there. We're going to release a new one. So I'm looking forward to the tour and hope this will go down. Because yesterday we played the annual Unholy Passion Fest here in Cologne. This time, just two bands. It was just Sun Worship, our brothers from Berlin, and us. And it was like limited capacity, but it was um, like not seated. People were wearing masks out of respect. Everybody was vaccinated or recovered and had like a rapid test. So everybody was tested negative. And it was really cathartic. Like people really at the end of the show were crying and like about the emotion, the, the emotion in the music and hugs were shared. Like people told us how much this band means to them. And that's just awesome. And makes me want to go out next year and play to all these fine souls. Yeah. So that's cool. That's awesome, man. That's great. I'm, I'm, that's fucking amazing, man. And I, I would have, um, like it was uh, the event yesterday was at three thirty in the afternoon here Eastern Standard yeah. Time. So I uh, I would have watched it, but I was uh, doing an interview for with um, the Adams family who made uh, oh. the deeper you dig, and um, oh, wow. okay. yeah, that's that's going to show up um, in you know coordinated with the release of their new film Hellbender which mm-hmm. uh, is going to premiere on Shudder, uh, I think, in January or February of next year. And, uh, yeah. yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. So otherwise, if I wasn't talking to them, I would have I would have checked out that that stream that you guys you guys did. So that would have been awesome. But it's – yeah, it was uh, – it's cool. Like, they have um, – like, there's this record store, the Underdog Record Store here. Um, friends of ours by now. Like, one of the best – record stores around in North Rhine-Westphalia and they always set up the show and, and in the pandemic like Huffy the main guy he talked to the city and he got some funding so they started Underdogs World is where they did at first like streaming shows like without audience then like tiny sh- like tiny shows from the record store like with like bands playing acoustic and stuff like this. And uh, he had like the first Ropes of Night show was uh, being streamed through that. And now the Ro- the Ulta show too. And it's cool because it's for free. But, and that's a good thing, um, it will be on YouTube in its entirety uh, within the next six weeks. So people can go back and watch it there. That's awesome, man. Yeah, we'll, po- we'll post it on the Facebook page uh, for, for Everything Went Black too. Yes, sweet. All right, cool. Yeah. So how about you? Like, you played one show, right? Yes. Uh, well, as you know, uh, everyone else knows this too by now, since I did a whole episode on it uh, about recovering from COVID. <laughs> I, um, as if things weren't bad enough uh, for the last few months, I, I ended up getting sick. So we would have played two shows, uh, the first being with Evoking, which was a makeup show from 2020 which we had to cancel when things first started popping off with shutdowns and, you know, quarantines and things. So that one we had to cancel. Um, you know, I did my 10-day quarantine. I recovered. Uh, well, you know, I felt physically, not 100% physically as far as my energy levels go, but at least it was safe for me to go outside and, you know, be, I tested negative and all these things. So um, we played our first show with Nuclear Assault, Sub-Zero, 
and uh, sworn enemy. Uh, very diverse. Well, in some ways, very diverse. Uh, there was a lot of hardcore bands on the bill, which is um, kind of a, a new thing for us to play with. Mm. And uh, it was a lot of fun, man. And and for the first time in years, decades even, I actually got a little nervous before we played. And okay. um, well. it wasn't about performing, though. It was about connecting my pedal board and stuff to the amp. And I don't know, this like really weird uh kind of like i don't know i never thought about that before it was just such an automatic thing just ingrained into my consciousness and how to connect things but this time around i was like oh man what if i like you know something gets disconnected or i connected backwards or whatever and i have to take like more time setting up and then the whole show is going to go off schedule and everything and but uh you know i was able to plug the right cables in the right way and uh and performance once i got past that then all the nerves went away and i was like all right well i know what i'm doing i can play and do what i gotta do but my body was like shot afterwards man like after we were done playing and we were loading out and heading back to the practice space i was in so much physical pain man i was like (laughs) like my feet hurt my knees hurt my hips like i was like fucking so sore man and then the next morning i woke up i felt like Someone had beat me with a chain, you know, it was, it was pretty, pretty <laughs> insane to feel that way, you know? Yeah, I had the same thing. Like when I woke up this morning, I felt like a million years old. It's like, oh my God, like how was this ever so hard? But like, like you said, like the, the technical aspect is like, this could go wrong. But like, once you get going, it's like riding a bike. You will just never unlearn it. But yeah, I was the same. Like I, we played, and I mean, when we play, we play hard. Like we're not a like a like a regular black metal band that like has like stands on stage with spread legs and it's just like not no movement at all. We're like I don't. I I always think we look more like a grunge band or something that really like rocks out. <laughs> and um, and I mean this in a in a positive way. Um, and it's just like, it's always so much fun to play. But like in the second song, like I lifted up my guitar and I played this heavy fucking blues guitar. And like, I'm like, oh, my shoulder. Oh, no. And then so like you move over and it's like, oh, no, my neck. And then it's like, it's almost like getting out of focus. I'm like, oh, no, I have to focus. But then like in the third song, my body was warmed up and it was working. But like once we were done and I was like talking to people and my body was cooling down, it, it felt like there was like three spots where the pain just like crept in. It was just like, oh, no. Yeah. So this this morning I'm like, oh, no, please, someone just like, can someone please drag me into the bathtub or something? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, also, I had just gotten over COVID. So my energy was like super low. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I just was trying, yeah, I, was, I was trying to conserve like throughout the day, because it was like a long show. Like the show started at like four o'clock in the afternoon. There was like, I don't know how many mm-hmm. bands played, but it was like, a f- I would, I, I, it wasn't called a festival, but it felt like a fest in some ways because there was all these mm-hmm. bands on the bill. And so I was there all day long, but I was just trying to conserve my energy and be like, all right, you know, you don't, these are like uncharted waters. You're just recovering. You know, don't, don't like overextend your energy so you're gonna you'll have some reserve left when you play so normally i don't think about these kinds of things you know what i mean because i like you know i do all sorts of stuff and i stay in shape and i don't think about 
you know, gassing out when I play a live set. But this time around, it was like a whole new experience, man. And I, I got to say, like, I was still feeling some of the after effects of being sick. And that might have, you know, contributed to yeah. the, the, the pain and sort of soreness and all that stuff, too. Yeah, that's something I, I always want. I wanted to ask you last time already. It's like, do you have any like symptoms that kept like staying with you, like loss of breath or like energy levels? Because like this long COVID shit, like a lot of people yeah. have that. Well, I was really concerned about that, but uh, the only thing that's lingering is the the sense of taste and smell. Um, you know, not having okay. that. But even that is like starting to come back, like. Like my, I can taste my coffee this morning, which is great. You know, like I'm cooking a chicken right now and I can smell the chicken a little bit. And, you know, so that's starting to come back. Um, like before we started recording, I mentioned that I started uh, doing Muay Thai again. And uh, that mm. that's like the real test of like, okay, yeah. am I, uh, you know, what's the deal? Because that's like a very physically demanding kind of thing, especially on your cardiovascular system. And I was able to to successfully make it through an hour without, you know, I mean, obviously I was a little bit out of shape, but nothing unusual. Like I, I jumped rope, yeah. I hit, you know, I hit pads. I like did the work on the bag and all the conditioning stuff. And I made it through and I didn't feel any different, you know, than like just the, the being a little bit out of shape from not being there for a few weeks. So that that's positive, you know? Okay, cool. Oh, so hopefully next year more shows so we can get into into shape again, like some stage wise. Yeah. yeah, that's a thing, man. Because it's like you know we practice for a couple hours, you know, like and we're on our feet, but there's just something about the setting of being on stage, maybe the adrenaline, and you know, yeah. I thought that all the hours of practice that we spent over the last you know year and a half, like would would add up to something, but I guess it doesn't. You know, like you just distill that. 45 50 minute set is way yeah. more intense than like you know eight hours of practice i don't know it's kind of weird yeah but it feels good and rewarding and i mean like i said like the just the feedback yesterday seeing people being into it and like raising their hands and like just like this this like you know like you stop a song and i mean we always have interludes but like you still hear the people yell or it's just like this 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 uh, feeling of anticipation. So what's the next song going to be? And that's just like such an adrenaline rush. And that's like the, that's the best part of playing life. It's just like seeing the people react to what you do. Uh, yeah. And, and also like for me personally, like I had I, I saw a lot of friends Saturday night at that show that we played mm. on the Saturday, a couple Saturdays ago. And um I realized I hadn't seen some of these people in like two years, you know, and that yeah. was like pretty, pretty heavy. And even Mike Scandato, the guy that I do the Necromaniacs podcast with, we talk every week almost. And I, but I hadn't actually seen him in person probably in about two years. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah. It's nuts, right? Oh. So that's yeah. it's just a weird world to get used to again. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, here everything is shutting down again. They're, again, not tough enough to say, like, okay, we'll have a hard lockdown now so people can, like, then in three weeks go celebrate Christmas with their family and then we just start the new year, like, going all forward. 
no, it's everything is excuses again, and this has to shut down, but this one will stay open. So indoor shows of small clubs are not possible, but soccer games or soccer matches with like 10,000 people are still possible. And, you know, like museums shut down, but Ikea is open, and it's just like... Oh, man. It, it, it's so dumb. It's just so incredibly dumb. And we had the we had the election this year. So everybody before that was like, oh, no, we won't have like the vaccination law that you have to get vaccinated. And now, like, you know, the election is done. And then, of course, like, oh, yeah, we will enforce the law. Now everybody gets vaccinated. It's like this still won't do anything because people don't want to do it. It's just like it's like how can you not see where the problems in the system are? So it's frustrating but like for me, it's like okay, cool. We had we were able to play that one show now. I mean, the shows that are canceled now, that's okay. I can deal with that. I just hope like next year this tour comes to pass, and then the festivals we have scheduled for summer. And I mean, once the new author record is out, I guess there will be interest of like more people have us play. And I just hope that like early next year we will be in a state that. Coming to the end of 2022, we will be in the same horse shit that we've been in for two years now. Yeah, it's hard to predict, man, because there's so many weird factors connected to this yeah. thing, you know. And, and uh, yeah, I don't think in the United States they're ever going to really lock things down again because of just there would be an uprising. You know, it's like yeah. like that is not something that would fly over here socially. I mean, people are having yeah. a hard enough time agreeing to get vaccinated over here you know and uh you know talking about their quote-unquote freedoms freedoms (laughs) whenever i hear someone i go off on this all the time whenever i hear the term freedoms i immediately think you're 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 you probably never read a book um you don't really have a grasp of the english language and you most likely have voted for donald trump so (laughs) yeah you know it's like some patrick henry uh, give me liberty or give me death, um, you know, against the crown yeah. kind of thing, which it should a public health emergency shouldn't be that. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. But yeah, I mean, I think we, we talked so much and so often about this, this, this idiocy, idiocy of like these people and we're not going to change them. I hope something will change in, in general. So there's just like a chance that at some point this whole thing can get more stable again. But now with the, with the Omicron variant coming in, it's just like everybody's shit scared now again. And it's just like, oh, I don't want this to go on. Like we need to get like this, the state where enough people are vaccinated. So shit like this doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm hoping that anyone who uh, doesn't agree with with me or you has left the podcast at this point. Um, you know, they don't yeah. listen anymore. So it's like, you know, I don't care about that. I mean, it's like, hey, you don't like what I'm saying? Don't listen. Go listen to Joe Rogan yeah. or something, you know? And, uh, <laughs> For three hours. Three fucking hours, man. Ugh. It's like, I, I tried it once for an episode with Chappelle, and then there was one with Ray Capo, and, and it's it's un, like I can't do it. Three hours of Joe Rogan is just too much. It's not possible. I, I um used to really really like Joe Rogan, but I think that he is has no real authority to talk about some of the thing he talks about, yeah. and he has so much influence with people, and he is completely irresponsible with that influence. You know, yeah. I mean, look, whatever your thoughts about getting vaccinated are, that that's fine. You know, but if you're going to have 
trepidations about getting vaccinated because, oh, it's like untested science or whatever. But you're going to go and use these like other treatments that are have are, are also untested and in some cases unproven and embrace that as a solution to this because Joe Rogan says that's the way to go. Then you're and you haven't really applied any sense of logic to your decision making. You're just being emotional about it. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, enough idiots. Let us talk us about good things of this year. Yeah. Yeah, totally, man. There was a lot of great records, movies, very interesting shows, stuff like that. So uh so what do you want to start with? We have Top five records, top five movies, and top five shows. Um, yeah, that's all of them were difficult because I I think you could clearly see that people had time on their hands in 2020. I wonder <laughs> why. Well, like my my playlist of songs I liked is enormously long, so like that was the diff- most difficult part. I like on my paper it says movies, then shows, and then music. Should we do it this way? Sure, let's do that. And um, I have mine more or less uh, arranged in in a, you know in a hierarchy of uh, basically one through five. So my first one being like the best, and the fifth one being my least, the least best. You know. Okay. So, yeah. I same here. I did the same thing too. And should we do five, five, four, four, three, three, and like yeah, then to the? Let's yeah? do that. Yep. All right. Good. Um, I have a prediction for this one because I think I know what your favorite movie will be, but okay. I won't say it. But like, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So number five on my list is, I mean, we will talk about honorable mentions and there were some close calls, but like my fifth favorite movie of this year was Nicolas Cage and Pig. Uh, okay. I, I, I enjoyed this movie. It was interesting. It's, uh, I just like from, from the get go, I liked the, the atmosphere of the movie at like at first I thought like, is this going to turn into a horror movie? And then it was just like a very emotional movie about something small. And I mean, it's kind of like the John wick thing where he does everything because someone killed his dog and it's like everything for his pig. But yeah, I mean with Nicolas Cage, it's more or less a hit or miss by now, but like when he hits, he hits hard. And I mean, we all know Mandy and, there's been like some great movies, but I really enjoyed Pig. Yeah, I saw that movie too. I liked it a lot. And I think uh, regarding Nicolas Cage, if he's directed the right way, I think he's awesome, like in movies. Yes. But if you let him yeah. just like do his thing, I think it gets a little little tire, tiring at times. Yes. Okay, what do you have? All right, so my number five is The Medium. It's uh, a Thai-Korean co-production um it's on shutter right now and it's a found footage film which i generally do not enjoy those movies however there are a few that have made the grade with me and this is one of them and it's um once again i think rennie from stark weather uh recommended this movie to me um and uh, i checked it out and it's it's pretty awesome it's about um these these uh shaman these well I guess they're females, so should are they shamans or priestesses? <laughs> so anyway, there's these two, these women that are uh, mediums. I guess we'll refer to them as mediums, mm-hmm. and um, they're tied into an ancient religion. And there's some possession, 
um, there's a very uh, frenetic ending. And uh, there's a lot of um, impressionism in the film. There's like a lot of these like long scenes where you just kind of observe the characters. And mm-hmm. the movie's a little bit long. And obviously it being a Thai Korean production, if you have a problem with subtitles, then I don't, you know, definitely be be wary of that because of the length of the film. But if you, you know, you enjoy enjoy um foreign films and you're not afraid of reading, uh, I say go for it with uh, the medium. That sounds great. It's one of I mean that's uh we will see like in in my top 5. There's not a lot of horror but I have like a list of about 50 movies, let it, like most of them from Necromaniacs, <laughs> and I just didn't come about to watching them. It's just like, as we will come to music, it's also not a whole lot of like metal on there. I don't know, it was just like not a year for me where I was in the mood to watch a lot of horror, but this definitely sounds great. I mean, I'm a big fan of like some of the found footage stuff. I'm still a defender of Blair Witch, and as above, so below is one of the like coolest horror films I've seen in the last years. So I will definitely check out the medium. Sounds awesome. What's your number four? Number four is uh, just came out uh, a small movie. It's pretty much just one person acting. It's called the guilty with Jake Gyllenhaal. Have you seen that? I haven't, but it looks good. It's uh... yeah, it's a, it's a remake of a Danish movie. Um, and uh, it's it's an interesting plot, and Jake Gyllenhaal really really grew on me in the recent years. Like I wasn't a big fan of Donnie Darko when it came out, and I have never seen Brokeback Mountain. But with Prisoners, which is definitely among my top twenty movies ever by now, I love this movie. And then he had this this run with Prisoners, An- Enemy, Southpaw, Nightcrawler. And that just that that guy just kept delivering. And the guilty is just basically him acting and being on a telephone. It's really intense. It's 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 not a long movie, but like you're in for for a ride, like a real thrill ride. And he can pull it off, and it's a great movie. Yeah, I like Jake Gyllenhaal. I um I I was a Donnie Darko fan when it came out, and um yeah I like I like the I'm generally a fan of his. Yeah, it's like he's just a cool. Like, also, I love his sister too. She's also a great actress and um, interesting family, definitely. Yeah. So, the guilty, everybody, please check this one out. I think it's an, I think it's in Netflix in America too. It's uh, not. I think it's eighty minutes long, but it's worth worth your time. So, what you have? What do you have on number four? My number four is also not a horror film. Uh, it's uh, the humans, which is on. It's a Showtime production. Mm-hmm. Have, have you are you familiar with this? Have you seen this or heard about it? No, not at all. Well, it has an, a, an excellent cast. It's um, it's got Richard Jenkins, Jenkins, who okay. you know you might remember him from Six Feet Under. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Ewan, Ewan, um, who played Glenn from The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. and uh, Amy Schumer, the comedian. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. and um. Essentially, it's funny that it's. I, I said that it's not a horror film. However, it feels like a horror movie, even though it's mm-hmm. just a basically a creepy family drama. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, really, it's it just has uh, like five characters in it. It all takes place in an apartment. 
Um, it feels like a film, uh, but there's a lot of tropes in it that create tension, like a horror film. And um, there's a lot of discussion about death and uh, mm-hmm. ideas about uh, you know the Christian idea of the afterlife, and um, you know one, one the Amy Schumer character is uh, is sick. Uh, you know, she's worried about dying. You know, the parents are getting older. There's a grandmother who's in and out of uh, lucidity. That she, you know, she has um, you know Alzheimer's disease and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. she says things, and it, there's like, there's definitely this um, otherworldly vibe to some of the stuff that the grandmother says, which you know, ultimately it's just words, but it gives you this impression that there's a, a more of a depth to the things she's saying and it leaves that open to interpretation. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just, it, it almost feels like the film takes place in real time too because it's really just about this family getting together in an apartment in, um, in you know, downtown New York City in the financial district mm-hmm. and they have dinner and talk. And that's really what the whole movie is. Wow. Okay. That sounds good. I mean, I like all these actors and actresses, so definitely on my list. So my number three is a movie called Wrath of Man. Oh, yeah. Guy Guy Ritchie movie, Jason Statham. Again, incredibly dumb Germans because Wrath of Man seems to be something Germans can't say. So they didn't translate it into German. They just gave it the name Money Truck. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's very literal, yeah. I guess, because I saw this film as well. Yeah. And it's just like, why the fuck? Like, why not just have it? Like, I mean, they, 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 kept, uh, they kept names like um, Olympus Has Fallen. And no one translated this, but they had to change Wrath of Man to Hey, let's going to watch Money Truck. Yeah, great, thanks. Um, no, Wrath of Man, great one. Jason Statham, I mean, he's kind of a tool most of the times, and he's like an entertaining co co star to The Rock or Stallone in some movies. But here, this is a real gritty, really realistic kind of movie. It's a vengeance action movie, and I I just have a like I'm just a sucker for good action movies, and like I mentioned in another episode we did, that uh, the Sicario movies were like two of the most, like most of the of the best action movies I've ever seen in recent years, and it has that kind of vibe. It's not funny, it's not comedic, it's just gritty and has like very good pictures, very good acting, very rough. Um, I had a great time watching this. Yeah, I actually saw this movie. Um, I think Jeff actually recommended this to me. Yeah, uh, he mentioned and, it. Yeah, yeah, and I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I generally, it's funny. Like I, I agree with you to a, to an extent about Jason Statham because he's never, as far as actor goes, I feel like he he punches down. Like he's always in these like dumb action movies, mm-hmm. and I think that he could have he could actually be a very good dramatic actor. I think he's got a lot of skill yeah. as an actor, but he just never is in movies like that. Don't you think he's kind of like the the younger version of Bruce Willis? Um, you know? Well, I dislike we, Bruce Willis, so I, I don't agree with that, really. Okay. 
Yeah. Okay. Now it's just like because Bruce Willis started out as this action star, and then he started getting like more serious roles. And with some of them, it was surprising on how good he can act in a like in a proper scenario. And I kind of have the feeling with him too. I mean, he always comes across as this goofy guy, and then it's like some people say like, "Oh yeah, he's the he's the funny Vin Diesel," and I'm like, "Oh, that's an insult." Like no one needs to be Vin Diesel. Um, but yeah, in this one, I think he really shines in this one. And it was just like, I, I watched it three times this year. It's just like, because it was such a blast in the way it is made. And yeah, I really enjoyed that. I did too, man. I like that movie. And it's like, like you said too, it's, it's a very hard movie. You know, there's like not, yeah. there's no, no humor or anything associated with it. Yeah. Okay, number three, Mike. What do you have? Censor. The oh, okay. uh, Prano Bailey Bond film, which we covered on Necromaniacs, that uh, I thought was a fantastic uh, entry um, into the horror genre for her. I mean, this I believe this is her first film. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's it talks about the video nasty era in the UK. Um, you know, censorship, obviously. And uh, it blurs the boundary between what's real and what's imagined and um yeah it's just a really well done film and uh i i there's some some of the movies they talk about in the um in the film that are that are not real movies i'm like man they should make a movie about that you know it's you know this typical 80s fair of slashers and you know there's the discussion about how media affects the behavior of people and how censorship affects the behavior of people. And if you're exposing yourself to this stuff, it's like a very, very, uh, very clever exploration of censorship and, and extremity and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you, you've seen okay, that. I, I, no, dude, like that's one of the, one of the movies like on my, on my list that I need to see because like I listen to it and then so sometimes with that crew, I'm like, uh, do I want to keep listening on because I don't like do they spoil or something? Yeah, like, we always nah, spoil we'll still, it. Yeah, yeah, we'll... yeah. It's just like I will still listen to it, and uh, and yeah, it is on my list too. Like I have at least I think again my prediction, your favorite movie of the year. At least I think I have seen this one. So, but we'll see if I'm right with that one. Actually, so, yeah, uh, I've got one, one question for you about Wrath of Man. Yes. What What is why couldn't they use the title Wrath of Man? I think it's just because people wouldn't understand it or couldn't pronounce it. I don't know. Oh, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's there's like a bunch of these examples, and I think I mentioned one before. The movie um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah, it, it's uh, in German, like the German words for "Don't forget her." Oh wow! So it's like "Vergiss, vergiss mein nicht." So don't for, no, don't forget me. That's it. That's like okay. Germans definitely can't pronounce this, so it won't make any sense. So we'll just change the name of the movie. And sometimes it's so weird because it's not even like close to the original name or the German translation. And it's just like, yeah, money truck. And it's just like, there's no German movie by that name where we could say like, okay, people know this as another movie. It's, I don't know. It's just stupid. That's interesting. Yeah. Number two. No surprise here, James Bond, No Time to Die. 
I am a big, big fan of the genial Greg Bond movies. Mentioned this before. I think the five movies back to back, they have their flaws. Yes. People can argue why was Remy Malik in his, in his role in this movie? Why didn't they just shut it down with the Spectre storyline? And I mean, they had to finish it somewhere. I can understand the criticism. For me, I'm just a bit blinded because I love these movies so much. It's definitely like different from the can- canon of the other Bond movies where between Connery and, and uh, Roger Moore, there's kind of like a similarity in styles. I think the Danny Craig Bonds are their own thing. And I mean, they're passing the torch to a new Bond, which hopefully will not be like, this is the new James Bond, but I think the girl, Naomi Harris, who plays, uh, I know, no, she's, she's Money Penny, um, the, the, the other lady that has the 007 title. I think they will continue the franchise just without Daniel Gregg, and I hope they name it something, something else. Otherwise, like Twitter will go apeshit, um, and nobody wants to have that. I love that movie, seen it four times in the cinema. Yeah, number two. I, I haven't. The only reason I haven't seen that yet is because um, I'm following your recommendation of watching the entire Bond series with Daniel Craig, and yes. um, I just recently on iTunes they had a special where you can buy the entire all of the movies for like I don't know like mm-hmm. 20, twenty five bucks or something like that. So I I start mm-hmm. I actually have been watching them. I started with the first one, and I think it's great. You know, I, I haven't worked my way up to the new one yet, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, the second one is always a bit flawed because that was the time of the writer's strike. And that's like to see like how old, like when it started. I think the first like uh, Casino Royale was 2006 or something. Mm-hmm. So it's it's taken them a long time to make these movies. and But especially with the third one, Skyfall is such an amazing movie. And yeah, like it's just I like it it's it's my comic book mind you know I like it when storylines continue through like different novels and it feels like with the whole Spectre storyline that it just continues and for me I wish Daniel Craig wouldn't have said like I'm done because they could have just said like okay Spectre is over and then they focus on another villain and give it another three or four movies that I would have preferred that but I respect it it's uh, it's a five part now Five part thing and um, yeah, I'm happy with it. Great movie. So my number two is a, a movie called The Feast, uh, directed okay. by Lee Haven Jones and written by Roger Williams, and it's a Welch production. But I, I it was produced in Wales, but the, the language that they're speaking, I think, is Swedish. Oh, okay. But I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm a you know, barbaric American. I don't, you know, I only speak but, like one and a half languages. So, <laughs> but you know, well, well, Welsh is a, is an extra language, right? That just sounds totally off because, uh, it's, uh, I remember that on that tour we did like the ill-fated tombs planks Euro tour yeah. with uh, black, with black horse. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, we played one show in Wales Right. And I didn't, I didn't understand anybody. And then they tried to teach me like words that they use. And this sounds like a completely different language. So it might be, I haven't seen the feast, but it might be that this just like Welsh, the actual language. To me, it sounded like Swedish. Uh, but yeah. once again, like I said, I, you know, 
anyone any yeah. europeans out there uh you know if you you know don't don't be too harsh on me you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, I, i'm i'm from a you know factory town you know so i don't <laughs> i don't have much education so <laughs> <laughs> always excuses man yeah um yeah tell me about it oh but the feast is about um I, I guess uh, I, I hate this term, but folk horror. You know, I don't like that term mm-hmm. necessarily because it 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 makes it casts too wide of a net, and mm-hmm. a lot of uh, very uh, contrived things get pulled into that net. But the feast is almost like a modern version of like an Arthur Mackin story. Um, okay. It has to do with like some elemental um, p- being that possesses a recently deceased woman and she inserts herself into this uh, gathering, uh, a meal that is being hosted by these people looking for money to develop this land in Wales or Sweden or wherever the hell it takes place. And uh, yeah, it's like a very slow moving, um, I would say a slow burn. There's a lot of... uh, you know, dialogue that drives the storyline. And, uh, yeah, it's just really, really well done. Very moody. And, um, mm-hmm. and then it gets very intense at the end. Okay. that's uh, That sounds really interesting. Yeah. I, I dig folk horror to some extent, but like, as you said, like it can can be a lot of things. But the general idea, I think you know what you're talking about. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So that sounds good. Yeah. Well... My number one, no surprise there, the Green Knight. Not. I was like, like shocked. I was like, damn. No way. (laughs) Fuck the Green Knight. I like. I want to make it clear here that it's a terrible movie. It's minus two on the on the scale. Like, fuck the Green Knight, the dumbest man ever to live and grace a movie. Fuck this movie. Um, No, number one, easy this year, Dune. Oh, unbelievable yeah. unbelievable never touched the books so i have no idea saw this i uh, saw the uh, david lynch movie i dig that sting is running around in speedos and he, he can pull it off um it's a gross movie the old one but the new one is just so stellar and that's like the proper term for a sci-fi movie the the, the pictures the sound it's everything about this movie is just right. The pacing. I mean, they could have done it without Jason Momoa and like some of the bigger stars, but then again, that's, I can take this. It's just, I, I don't know, man. I saw it in the cinema. It was super loud. And I mentioned this before on podcast. I was just like, my mind was literally blown by this movie. And yeah, I haven't had that feeling in a long time. So I, yeah, June best movie of the year for me i haven't seen it yet because it's i know it's like a three-hour epic and um yeah you know i i uh i i want my it's on my list it's on the top of my list actually i got to check that out before the end of the year and if i'd seen it it probably would be on this list because i've only heard great things about it yeah i have a bunch of these things where i say like ah, oh, damn i wish i had time to see it beforehand then it would be my number like in my top five i'm sure but it is what it is and uh so yeah dune is my number one and i'm really curious to see what uh, you say when you see it but i'm positive you will dig it too 
My number one is the Green Knight. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, real quick about the Green Knight. Have you read the Tolkien uh, Green Knight? Nope. Yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, I if you're okay. if you're into the, like you know all that King Arthur stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah. My number one is Seder. <laughs> um but i have i have 10 points now i knew <laughs> <laughs> that's funny man yeah i guess i'm very transparent uh probably one of the most black metal movies to come out in in 2021 um, yeah. written and directed by jordan graham who i interviewed on necromaniacs and uh was almost shocked to learn that none of my uh, assumptions about him were correct. <laughs> <laughs> really cool guy, very interesting. Um, the movie itself is like just like this meditation on in, on madness, uh, you know, the other world. Um, you know, it's just such a trippy movie, and to learn that. And I mean, and in some ways it is about that veil between reality and some fantasy world because, you know, a lot of uh, the main character was, was actually his grandmother, you know, and, and she mm. was uh, suffering from dementia and, you know, it, it really was like going in and out of reality and the, and the narrative of the story, which added this very intense sense of realism to the film. And um, yeah. You know what? At least this one I have seen, yeah. <laughs> and I absolutely agree. And it it's like I had to make my up my mind between Seder and Pig, but it's just like with Pig, I don't know. Like I had the feeling that it like spoke to me more because, like I said, I, this year was not my horror year, but Seder is fucking awesome, and it's probably one of the only horror movies that came out this year that really got to me. Yeah, yeah, I've watched it a few times, and um. You know, I, I, I bought the digital copy, the digital version. At some point, I hope a Blu-ray comes out because I'm sure there'll be additional material yeah. on it. And, um, yeah, I watched it, you know, with all the lights out. And, and it's just, you know, very, very atmospheric. Um, the yeah. You know, Jordan Graham did the score. And I learned in our in our um, interview that he does not play any of the instruments that he used. And, like, <laughs> it was like – but that makes it even cooler, you know. It just has this very – droney uh ambient sort of texture to it that works perfectly with the film yeah that's um that's it is just so atmospheric in the way it has been shot and everything it's just yeah it's something totally totally different than from like i mean there's again you could like push it into the folk horror in a in a niche like this but it's just so different from all of that yeah, it's very good. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, it's not that I'm against that term, but I, I hate when they make they try to make these catch-all um, classifications for things because yeah. once they start doing that, I feel like it attracts people to that would not make a film like that to make a film, you know? Mm. Where it's like, oh, I'm going to make a film. It's like grunge. Like, you had all these bands like Nirvana and like Screaming Trees and Mud Honey, and then some, mm. some journalist out there called it grunge, and then all these like other like nincompoops out there. Oh, I'm gonna start a grunge band. So it's now it's like oh, I'm gonna do a, a folk horror film. And yeah. you know, I just recently saw a movie called uh, Demi God, 
which mm-hmm. really screamed out to that trend of someone who doesn't really understand the material wanting to make a movie in that genre, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Cool. Honorable mentions. Yes. There's a few. Um, and none, I haven't seen any of these and that's why they're honorable mentions. So okay. the first one is Dune because I haven't seen it, but I suspect that I would in, totally enjoy that. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's Queen of Black Magic. Uh, I haven't seen that either. And there's a movie called My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. I, and that's I haven't, actually... I haven't seen yeah, that either. Sorry. I haven't seen that either. Rotten to, that's Rotten Tomatoes' number one horror movie of the really? year. Really? Oh, man. Yeah. I just Googled like horror movies and like to see like if I missed out on something or like if I saw something I forgot it. And like both these all, all like all these movies are on there except for Dune, which is not a horror film. But um, that is actually the first one I had like and this I have a tap all open now. And yeah, I think like for me now that everything is like shut down, there's more time to watch movies again. And my my like Christmas holidays, we have two weeks off will be primarily watching movies I have missed out on. So, yeah, I'll go for that. I should I should check that out then because that might make my top five for Necro. You know, we'll see. Okay. Um, my honorable mentions, um, Psycho Gorman. Oh, yeah. Don't like I don't like horror comedy, but this one was awesome. It has it touched all all the, the stuff like I I have a soft spot for shit like trauma movies. But like it's not like a trauma movie because it's not trashy as this, but just like the costumes. And I I'm not a Peter Jackson horror guy. Like I hate Meet the Feebles and Brain Dead. But it's just like I always love like these costumes and Psycho Gorman was just like a trip. It was a great ride. Um Nobody with Bob Odenkirk. Um also great action movie. Didn't expect it to be as tight as it is. But if you want to have like a cool action movie double feature, watch Wrath of Man and then Nobody. Um, I like Judas and the Black Messiah. That was a good one. One of the best horror movies I've seen this year is unfortunately from 2020, which is the super deep, like a Russian Russian horror movie. And uh, a secret tip I have for people is a movie called The Card Counter. Hmm. Have you heard of heard of that? No. It's presented by Scorsese. It's written by Paul, like production by Paul Schrader, and it features Oscar Isaac. And it feels like a David Lynch movie without the supernatural. It's slow pace. It's about a guy who, like, who is a poker pro, and uh, he's just like moving from casino to casino and like to, to try to like steal money from from them, like by like yeah, counting cards. And he has like this network of weird people he meets who are all like trick thieves or stuff like that are like rural, like living in cheap motels and trying to steal some thousands from a casino by like cheating. And there's an interesting story about a boy and like a revenge story with that. And it's weird, man. It's a weird movie. But I came through that uh, because of the soundtrack, and I will talk about the soundtrack in a bit. Spoiler alert. Oh, wow. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So the card counter, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Right on, man. So you want to move on to, what's the next uh, next heading that we're moving on to? 
Um, the next one is also viewing pleasures, which will be shows. Okay. All right. You want to go first this time? Oh, wait, one more time. I have a prediction. I know what your number one will be. You probably do because I've, I've talked about it uh, <laughs> a bunch with you and everyone else. And so, yeah. Yeah. The, the bell is ready. The bell is ready. <laughs> okay. So at the bottom of my list, my number five, and uh, I accept all criticism for putting this in my top five, but it's season 10 of American Horror Story. Okay. <laughs> it's... um. This season, it's a double feature. It has like two storylines, and um, one's the Red Tide, and the other one's called Death Valley. And it's got all your favorites, you know, Evan Peters, Francis Conroy, uh, Finn Whitrock, Sarah Paulson. They all come back, just like every season. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's the same way that I enjoy uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This, this American horror story business. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, I was a big Buffy fan back in the day. Uh, American horror story is like um, very commercial horror, yet I do believe that it is really well done. And this season particularly I enjoyed because, you know, there's like this kind of vampire New England storyline that was in the Red Tide and uh, the Death Valley segment was uh, very unique in that it was all black and white. It was shot like a, a 1950s, like UFO, like you know, sci-fi sort of thing. And um, mm -hmm. I just thought I thought the I thought the Death Valley part was really cool because it was like spoke to like the young, you know, the childhood of that I had of watching all these old school like black and white 50s science fiction movies about like gigantic you know giant ants and you know ufos mm. and you know the day the earth stood still and then you know it spoke oh. to that and i really enjoyed that oh that's cool like i i don't know i've seen the first season and i think i saw parts of the second and that just gave up i don't know why but it never like never went back to see it again and I guess we had this discussion about when we talked about like American Horror Story being the new metal for yeah. like, in, in horror, um, because a lot of kids in my school that I really think are uncool wear wear shirts like uh, uh, "Normal People Scare Me" American Horror Story. I'm like, oh, so it's a kids show now, but yeah, I, but, and that, and that's yeah. what I'm saying, man. I'm not I'm not going to yeah. you know push it on anybody, and I'm not going to apologize for it. But it's, I like it, man. I don't know. I look forward to it every year. I'm sorry, you know, but yeah. that's just how I am. No, dude, I have I have the same thing with like a bunch of shows. But I actually try to leave out new seasons of stuff that I already like or saw. Um, so I try to make my top five stuff I haven't seen or that were like new seasons this year. Mm -hmm. And actually, except for one, it's all stuff where there's only one season so far. Oh, okay. Yeah. So my number five is actually something from 2020, but it just showed on HBO Spain. Um, but HBO America got the rights to show it, and it started this year in 2021. So I count it as something that came out this year because I think if it hadn't been on the US HBO, I wouldn't have heard about it. It's a show called 30 Coins. Mm -hmm. Yep. The... Um, it's probably 
the like the most like the buffet of stuff I like most um, that I, that that you can do in a horror show because uh, it has Lovecraftian aspects to it. So I think there's like uh, I mean I saw Lovecraft Country and that was terrible. And uh, and because the month the monsters just saw like they they just look terrible, and they have like some serious Lovecraftian creatures that look awesome. But then it's mixed with almost like a conspiracy theory about the Vatican and occult horror in it, manipulation, and it's just. It's got a great cast. It has the most beautiful woman I've ever seen on TV with Megan Mon- Montaner. I think that's her name, Spanish actress. Unbelievable. Such a surprise. It's a bit trashy in between where you just see like, okay, it's a European production. Not like Dark, where in Dark it just looked perfect until the end. It has like it has its ups and downs, but I overall really enjoyed 30 Coins. You have to watch it in Spanish with subtitles again. Um, not a problem to me, but it might be to some. It's it, there's a dub version, but I wouldn't recommend. No, definitely. This. But not. yeah, thirty coins. Yeah, I love that too. It's actually one of my runner-ups. Actually, I I uh, ah. for all the reasons that you just uh, you listed. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh, so it's my turn. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um. Well. Uh, season two of War of the Worlds came out this year, but I'm, since uh, you know, we're the, it, it's only two seasons. It tells a, a story, and season one started in 2020. So I'm going to say both season one and two of the War mm-hmm. of the Worlds uh, epics um, series. Uh, that's that's my number four, and that's got Gabriel. You know, it's a French UK production. Um, it's got the uh, you know Gabriel Byrne is in it. And it was uh, created by a guy named Howard Overman. And it's not just a retelling of the H.G. Uh, Wells' War of the Worlds. It's very, very loosely based on that. And mm-hmm. um, it's just a completely different storyline, really. It has to do with, uh, you know, it, it came out in the very beginning of the pandemic. So it felt a, a, like a very post-apocalyptic kind of vibe. And... Um, yeah, the aliens are are um, I don't know. There's like time. I'm not going to give too much of it away, but there's time travel. There's uh, mm-hmm. elements of it that remind me of Black Mirror. Um, there's a very somber, dark vibe to the whole thing. Very depressing, heavy heaviness to the whole series. And anyone can get killed in this series, and it's uh, you're always you're wondering which character is going to make it to the, you know, to the end of the uh, episode or if he's going to get killed or he or she's going to get killed. And it just takes a lot of turns, twists and turns. And, um, yeah, very enjoyable. Once again, if you're afraid of uh, subtitles, uh, you know, maybe think twice about checking this out because part of it's in French, mm-hmm. part of it's in English. So, that, you know, there you go. I, I started watching this too, but I, had the, I think I just saw the first two episodes and that's definitely on my list too. I just love the whole story of War of the Worlds. And uh, I have to say, unapologetically, I like the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds movie. I know a lot of people shit on it. I like it. But this show definitely looks 
way better. So I'm stoked to like watch this in full. Yeah, I don't have a problem with the Tom Cruise one either. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Number four here, Loki. Oh yeah. One of the one of the best Disney things they have done. Um at first I was like, okay, so first WandaVision, and I have to say by that time I have I hadn't ha- I haven't had watched WandaVision. I have now. And if I'd seen it earlier, maybe it would have been my top five because that was amazing. But Loki was a whole different ball game. That's everything about this show ruled. The the way it is done, the acting, the cast, the production values, um, incredible. Like I was really blown away by how cool. It, it's the same feeling as watching Deadpool the first time. It's like this can happen. Like in in the Disney universe, Disney uh, Marvel universe. I'm happy that it's possible. Um, yeah, if you haven't, like if you're a Marvel fan and you haven't seen Loki, please do yourselves a favor and watch these 10 episodes as soon as possible. I'm, I'm going to have some words about Loki as well. But uh, I'll okay. wait, I'll wait okay. that. Yeah. All right. All right. So you're number three. Brand new cherry flavor. It's on Netflix in the States. I don't know if it's in Europe, though. Yeah, it's, my, it's a runner-up with me. It okay. is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, based on a novel by uh, Todd Grimson, and I haven't checked that out yet, but uh, it, it was uh, recommended to me by Brandon Legion over at the Horror Wolf podcast. And because uh, I originally I saw like the the graphic for it, and I was like, ah, I don't know, this is some like millennial like like bullshit that I probably won't like, you know. But it turned out to be um, an amalgamation of a lot of different things, which I it, it has like this. Uh, almost like a neo-noir like vibe to it uh yeah every it mostly takes place at night it takes place in the early 90s which is always cool because like the 90s was like for me like a very um very cool period of my life um pretty decent soundtrack uh there's witchcraft involved there's uh supernatural elements there's body horror um yeah interesting characters and uh, yeah, and it, once again, Frances Conroy's in this too. You know, if you guys are fans yeah. of uh, Six Feet Under, she's got a great, great appearance in it. And uh, I really dug it. And um, yeah, re- really, really cool. Uh, almost has a David Lynch vibe to it. Almost like a um, there's there's overtones of David Lynch. Like I'm not saying that it's going to be exactly like Mulholland Drive or like Lost Highway or something like that. But there were moments in the movie that had that. That sort of flavor without being too much of a ripoff. You know what I mean? Yes. It has this, it blends weird humor and sur- a surreal kind of scenes where you think it's almost corny or goofy, but then it twists it to a, like something disgusting or horrific. And it just does this fluently. And it is filmed in a very plastic, modern way. Um, it's great. It's definitely something unlike everything I've seen this year. And it is definitely one of the runner-ups, which is like on six, six or seven if we would have done a number 10. Yeah. It's definitely, I, at some point I would like to read the novel. You know, I, I yeah. knowing that it's, it was a novel, I'm, I'm interested to see, uh, you know, what, what the differences and similarities are. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
Okay, my number three. Um, I will just say the name because I have the feeling we will talk about it a bit more. And uh, it's Midnight Mass on <laughs> on Netflix. Um, outstanding show, really good. And it would have been my number one if there wouldn't have been two things that I liked more. But um, <laughs> so it's the way it goes, I think. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll spare the comments because uh, I want to leave you to it when we're at that, <laughs> <laughs> when we're at that point. Okay. So right. we'll, you, Fair enough. Let's, let's, hear, let's hear your number two. Number two is Chapel Weight, uh, which was an, also on Epics. And um, excellent. It's got Adrian Brody in it, which I mean, you know, that, that's not primarily why I like the film, even though I think he's a fine actor. Uh, but it turns out that it's a uh, prequel to Salem's Lot, and it has a you know it's a Stephen King related story, and yep. um, yeah, it's got it's a period piece. It takes place in New England. Um, there's mention of uh, the Devermis Mysterious, which is a, a Necronomicon like ancient tome that Robert Block wrote about. In uh, one of his uh, early short stories, Shambler in the in the stars, Shambler from the stars, and um, yeah, it's like the Divermus Mysterious has to you know relates to the way they portray it in in Chapelweight relates to vampirism and unleashing these dark forces on the world and and uh, you know it's similar to the Necronomicon and the Lovecraftian uh, pantheon of of belief. And uh, yeah, it's shot really well. It takes its time getting to where it's going. Like if you just go in there forgetting that it has anything to do with Salem's Lot, it just builds the characterization up. And and it is based on a Stephen King story too. And then I didn't know that because obviously the title's different. But then second second episode, I started realizing, oh, this is a, a similar story to Jerusalem's Lot, you know. Um. And then when it kicks in with the vampires, good-looking vampires, by the way, a different take on vampirism than we're used to seeing, and really cool. And it has like a weird fiction, like sort of you know feel to it as well. You want to know what? Go it's ahead. my number one. Really? It's my number one. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Dude, I fucking love this show. Like to save some times, I just probably do it now dude it's so stellar like the whole look of it the vampires are the best looking vampires like their their leader i won't spoil their names or anything it's it's such an incredible take on vampires and like i said i compare it to the little vampire the british canadian gothy 80s children's vampire show which made me the yeah, well, I'm not a goth punk, but like my appreciation for goth punk comes from that. And I, when I watched this, I had the same feeling. Just the way it looks, the dark, dark atmosphere, the whole... It's really one of the best, uh, well, books from... Like, not the best books of Stephen King, but like the stuff that is made out of a Stephen King story. So, um I don't know, man. I I blasted through this season. I'm just like, this is incredible. And like when I was done, I just started from the bottom, uh, from the top again. Yeah, it's really good. Adrian Brody delivers, and yeah, everything you said is right. P 
people, if you haven't seen this, it is a great year for vampire stories. Yeah. And um, and I was always a big fan of vampires and with Midnight Mass and Chapel Waits. And um, yeah, there's a bunch of cool vampire shit out there. If you haven't seen Chapel Waits, please, please do so. Yeah, I'll probably watch it again. It's uh, And like I said, also it has like that weird fiction, like cosmic horror like kind of vibe as well, which I was, you know, I'm a big fan of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I lost track. Where are we at? Like with your number one already or is it your number two? That was my number two. Okay. So it's time for your number one, right? Yeah, well, didn't you do, you got to, did you do your number two? Uh... No, no, I didn't. No, because I, right, yeah. Oh, yeah. dude, I'm losing you, track here. You, jump, so you jumped ahead, man. <laughs> dude, so much, info, so much info here. Oh, yeah. my God. Okay, something completely out of the picture here for all of you thinking, like, Mike and I are these miserable people just sitting at home, like, with black walls and curtains down and just, like, listening to, like, gruesome music and gruesome, watching gruesome movies. My number two is something where the first season came out last year and the new season came out this year and it won a lot of prizes and I unapologetically love it. It's Ted Lasso. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know you're not a comedy guy and it's not a comedy show in its sense. It's a drama. It's, it is funny to a degree. And first, like Steven Sudeikis is... Uh, I mean, I watch Saturday Night Live every week when I can. And... Um, I like. I didn't like the movies he did before. I liked him in at Saturday Night Live. I'm not a big comedy guy, but this show has got something so real and so melancholic to it that it like it takes like it takes all the boxes. For all of you out there who don't know about it, I don't know. I guess you haven't seen it, Mike, right? No, but I, I actually it's been it was recommended to me and it was described yeah. in a very similar way, and I, I I am planning on watching it for sure. It's about like Sudeikis being a football coach and you don't know the reasons why, but he gets drafted to the UK of all places to start teaching a soccer team. And if you have ever been to the UK, I mean, I'm a German and soccer here is like one big thing that people love, but it's nothing compared to the UK. And imagining like a redneck with a mustache who does dance moves for his team coming to the UK knowing jack shit for uh, about soccer and becoming a trainer with his co co-trainer and it's it's bound to get like rowdy and but it's a very human show and that's what it got to me like everybody was recommending it like everybody was posting about him like how the fuck can something be so popular and then like also people from Aranzi Pazuzu, Walter of Roadburn and all these people are like Ted Lasso that's the shit I'm like really it's like, okay, well, I guess I'll try it. Then I watched three shows and I had tears in my eyes at some point. I'm like, okay, wow, this is really touching and moving. And it's, it's like, it's that thing where it's really dark, but it has like this uplifting spirit to it where you still like, okay, there's still hope. You can go on. Things can get better. Things can change. And especially in this year where everything went to pieces and everything was horrible, that was the right kind of show. And I really, I can really without a problem say that I had like tears in my eyes several times watching this show. It's just really fucking good. Well, yeah, I mean, hell man, that that's a, a, a shining review, man. I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah. 
Well, Mike, it's time. <laughs> so my number one is Midnight Mass. Yes. <laughs> where's, where's the bell, man? Oh, I, it's ready. It's, uh, oh, you jumped the gun on the bell, the too, man. <laughs> oh, man. All right, all right, there we go. Okay. Okay. Uh, Midnight Mass, man. What what a... What a it, for me, it it really hit a lot of a lot of uh, spots for me too. I mean, it, it's uh, Mike Flanagan um, who has brought us uh, a lot of uh, Stephen King adaptions, and um, this is the most Stephen King esque show that is actually not Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. And uh, he also brought us uh, The Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting of Bly Manor, which I, I loved those two th- shows as well. And um, once again, he brings us his wife, uh, Katie Siegel, um, the star as Erin Green in this, uh, in this you know, series. And it's, um, man, where to start with this? It's, uh, it's a vampire story. Uh, maybe a lot of you out there have seen this already, but it's also a meditation on religion uh you know relationships with people um death life um you know atheism and it's just uh a very deep show and and um a lot of people commented that that they did not like you know all the dialogue and it was too talky and it was like a lot uh, of uh, you know that's what i like actually i like there's yeah. this long long periods of exposition and i'm going to call to to mind like one thing that comes to mind is the priest is describing this scene where he's like searching through the he's lost in the desert oh, yeah. and he become he comes upon this you know it's almost like a out of like a robert e howard horror story or like a carl edward wagner horror story you know where or some of these like you know sword and sorcery like fictions that i love or dark fantasy where he finds like this you know this ancient temple and you know stuff like that if you're if you don't mind dialogue definitely this is for you but also there are some really great just horror scenes in it they have an excellent vampire and yeah it's really oh man yeah yeah I like when I when I when I, when I listened to that episode of Necro about it. I think it was you did it with Mike, right? Yeah, with Mike. Yeah, with, yeah. I think he said that the vampire would make a great action figure. Yeah, and I agree. Like it's it looks so awesome, and uh, man, like how can you how can you criticize these dialogues because they were like every sentence was worth it. There was no like jibber jabber. It was focused, really good monologues. I mean. Hamish Linklater, like the actor of, of the father, um, he looks like Nick Cave. Yeah, totally. Yep. And dude, I actually, you know what? I actually used the part of that show in a philosophy lesson in school. Oh, okay. Remember the um, there's this this uh, PTA in school where Beth Keen and I hate Beth Keen. Everybody hates Beth Keen. She's such a good villain. Um, where the sheriff Hassan makes this monologue of how Islam is not that different from Christianity and Judaism because they have the same origin and they believe the same things. And 
I, I mean, uh, the, the three monotheistic religions is a part of philosophy in school that I teach, just like where do they come from? Why is there so much beef between them? And I actually showed this part of the show because he summarized it so good. And that's the quality of the show that all the dialogues, they're like, it's not just knuckle dust. It's just really essential talking of great characters, great, well-written characters. Yeah, I loved it, man. That, and that's exactly it. There's like so much depth to the show. And I think it, you know, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. I, if you haven't seen it, definitely go see it for sure. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully there's no second season. I know. I, 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 want, ruin it. Yeah. I, want, I want this to stay the way it is. I mean, they left it kind of open in the end. I don't want to spoiler it, but it's just like, no, please don't. And it, I, I just remember when I listened to that episode of Necro, and it's like, oh, yeah, and Katie Seagull. I'm like, Katie Seagull? Like, how, how is Katie Seagull in this? It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would, that was like riding on a chopper with L. Bundy. It's like Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. Midnight Mass, awesome. And also, did, did you like? Do you know the poster? They like the drawn poster of the show. Oh yeah, that poster is amazing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's something I would totally hang up in my in my room. You know? Yeah. So, runner-ups, dude. There's a there's a bunch. Wait, did you like, give your number uh, one? Yeah. You, well, you said yeah, chapel yeah, weight. Chap yeah. Okay. Chapel right. weight, right? But, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So we we talked. We've gonna we decided that we talked about chapel weight then. Okay. Yeah. It's so there's nothing to add to this. Yeah. I just like, right. you know, everything okay. you said is 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 being said was said. Yeah. Runner-ups. I'll start, okay? Sure. All right. There's a bunch. I had a lot of time watching shows. So, um, first off, got to say, of course, Masters of the Universe Revelations, season one and two, uh, or like better, like part one and part two. I'm an 80s kid. I grew up with He-Man toys. I always liked the franchise. I always hated it that they are not really connected. There was an attempt in 2000 with two seasons of a uh, of a um, He-Man show, which was like kind of more in a yeah, narrative sense that it makes sense, like back to back. And this one, love the approach. I know a lot of people shed on it. I loved it. So Masters of the Universe, WandaVision, just watched it the other day. Amazing. Um, Mayor of Easttown, limited show, also great. Uh, Heels, a show about mm -hmm. wrestling, about pro wrestling that features CM Punk. Um, gotta love it. Wu-Tang, an American oh, saga. Okay. Second season came out this year. Watched it this year. Both of them awesome. Um, right now, something I will always love and to me it's the funniest and most smart thing ever is Curb Your Enthusiasm. I don't like, if you, if you don't like comedy, this is, will still be up your alley. It's just like Larry David is just a social predator in, in the most positive sense. Like he's, no, he's not a predator. He's a social assassin. And I love this. The last Narcos Mexico season came out. That was great. Godfather Harlem second season was great. Um, and one thing which was is like on my number six position was Invincible. Oh wow! I totally forgot about that. That was amazing. I thought, yeah, yeah. That's why I, I was expecting you to have that on your top oh, five man. because, yeah, it's 
that's a great superhero, dark superhero cartoon show if you like uh, The Boys, but in a bit different way and as a cartoon, watch uh, Amazon's uh, Invincible. Actually, didn't The Boys come out, the season two come out this past year? Oh, that might, yeah, that might Dude, be. That I, was, yeah. I slept <laughs> on both. I'm a, a failure, man. I failed on both of those counts. Wow. Yeah, there's, like I said, like there were a lot of shows this year and it, just like this whole year is kind of becoming a blur at this point. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah, The Boys season two must have been this year as well. Yeah, 2020 and 2021 seem like the same period of eight months, even though it's two years. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay, so we talked about a lot of like watching stuff and for everybody out there, please we have an Instagram now and uh, there's Facebook. We really would like to have your comments on what your favorite stuff was. So we can like deep dive, dive stuff that we have maybe missed out on. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to be uh, very active on that Instagram uh, account. So yeah, definitely give us a follow. Check it out for sure. And uh, yeah. yeah. So I got a couple of runner up here as well. Yeah. 30 Coins. Was on my yes. no, that was my no, almost made my top five, almost. Mm -hmm. um, Loki, once again, uh, you know Marvel's the way they portrayed this was like a you know almost like a cosmic horror story really. Yeah. Wandavision, brilliant, brought me to tears at times. If uh, watch it with somebody that you love, for sure. Yes. I watched it alone in the dark because I don't I don't have anyone that I love in my life right now. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I laugh at this point, but yeah, I, yeah. I understand that. Same here. Um, I haven't seen Squid Game, and I oh, know yeah. that a lot of people are talking about that, but I'm planning on watching it. I haven't seen The Foundation, which is the Isaac oh. Asimov, which I suspect if I'd watched that, it would be on my top five, but I haven't seen it yet. And I'm undecided about Yellow Jackets, which is, um, you know, this uh, this series that's on Showtime right now. That's good, but it hasn't gotten into the meat of the story yet. So I'm not. Mm -hmm. They might completely fuck it up. So that's why I don't want to jump the gun and put it on my list here. I have. I downloaded some episodes, but I haven't watched it yet. Uh, Foundation, same thing. Haven't watched it yet, but I expect. Uh when I watch it, that it will be uh, something I really dig. And which is also, I, in this blur of time that we live in, I was thinking about if, um, uh, damn, Raised by Wolves, if this was this year, but it's a 2020 show. So high expectations for season two of that next year. Um, but yeah, the foundation could be right up in this, this alley. Yeah. yeah, I had to do a double take on Raised by Wolves and confirm that it was last year because that's still one of my favorite shows yeah that's so good yeah so that's uh like already like a spoiler to next year like i hope for a new <laughs> he-man show i i hope for a new dune and uh i want raised by wolves too um i don't want midnight mass too i don't want chapel way too i'm looking forward to new ted lasso and when it comes to shows, there's still this rumor that they're producing a show called Raven based on the book about um, Jim Jones. 
Oh. And yeah, do you have that book, like this gigantic biography of Jim Jones and the People's Temple? I don't, I don't have that. No. That's a great read. You it's, recommend it's, it. It's a long book. Yeah, it's really good, and they're going to make a show out of it. Oh, I interesting. don't don't know who's going to do it, but it's just such a good story, and it's well written. So it focuses on where Jim Jones came from and how he got into that position. And I was always like the the, the People's Temple thing is one of my favorite stories when it comes to this serial killer sect cult stuff of the eighties and seventies. And uh, I just found a documentary from like two years ago about the woman in the Jim Jones cult. It's like the tagline is, it's not just Jim Jones, the women helped it too. So like about the women that like spread out the poison and everything. So I'm going to watch that this weekend. Yeah. I'll have to check out that book, man, for sure. It's been, I, yeah. I generally, generally like those types of things. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a deep breath and then go on to music, shall we? Sounds good to me. All right. That's also hard, man. Music, as I said, like a lot of people sat at home with their home recording studio and put out music in 2021 that they recorded in 2020. So got a ton of runner-ups, but I already tried to cut the meat from that. Um, but yeah, um, shall I start? Yeah, go ahead, man. All right. Number five in music for 2021 is a band called Silent and their record Modern Hate. It's a band from Mexicali. They're on 3-1-G. It's like buddies of Justin Pearson. Um, it sounds like, do you know that band Heroes del Silencio? No. It's a Spanish, they had like the Spanish one-hit wonder in the 80s. They have like one of the coolest post-punk songs. They looked like The Mission or these kinds of bands, but like also like uh, uh, Fields of the Nephilim. So they've got this Spanish cowboy look going. Oh, interesting. And um, they have like, they have one one album that is like mentioned. They have got a bunch of records and I think they're a big name in Spain, but like no one here knows that just for that one song. It's pretty much that song is featured in, uh, what was that, Veronica? This, 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 uh, it's, it's a, it's an, um, also a horror movie, the Spanish one where, uh, she gets like hunted by the devil or something. Yeah. I, Veronica was cool. I didn't realize they had, that was in the score though, the soundtrack rather. Yeah. It's like they have, she has the poster of, because it plays in the eighties and she has the posters of Heroes del Silencio and like this guy in Heroes del Silencio has got a really like, he has got a very croony kind of voice. And the guy, um, like in Silent, uh, he's oh man, what's what's his name? Jung Sing, that's his name. Yeah, he's uh, he kind of actually like looks like the father in in, um, in Midnight Mass, just as a singer. So he's got the the birthday party. Like they sound like birthday party played by a band from the 3-1-G roster. So it's not a hardcore band. It's like it's post punk, but with heavy guitars. Huh. Great melodies. It's harsh, and uh, it's just the t the title "Modern Hate" was a reaction to uh, to the year 2020. And uh, I listened to a podcast episode with Jung, and interesting guy. Should be a great live band. Never seen them live, but yeah, um, I feel like dark music that's uh, also going into the heavier tones. Uh, silent, modern hate. I just wrote that down because it sounds. I wrote both of those bands down. 
And uh, yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. It sounds like I'd really enjoy that. Yeah, will be a big playlist for this episode. Dude, I, I was just yeah. thinking about that this morning when I we started. I started gearing up for this. It's going to be an epic <laughs> playlist for everyone out there. Yeah. Um, so my number five is uh, Revelator by the band The Amenta, an Australian uh -huh. band. Are you familiar with them? No, never heard of them. There are there's a whole crop of insanely great Australian bands that share Dave Haley as the drummer. And uh, Dave Haley also plays in this band Psychroptic and, you know, tons of bands. Uh, Werewol He's in a band called Werewolves. Um, the Amenta don't sound like either one of those bands. Then Dave Haley plays drums for them. And it's, um, they're, they're like, I would classify them in the black metal genre, but they're very unique. It's, um, and I'm not really a fan of Mike Patton, but there there are things that some of the best of his work I feel may have been an influence on these guys. Yet there's no goofiness to their music. The music has a very somber like vibe to it, very intense emotional feel to it. And um, you know, it's not typical black metal. I mean, I just put that as a tagline because I think that's part of partly they consider themselves adjacent to that genre. And um, yeah, it's like really well-written songs, interesting vocals. Uh, the vocals cover a wide range of styles. Like there's, a, you know, harsh, extreme vocals. There's clean singing. Um, you know, there's like, uh, you know, almost like death rock style vocals on it. It's uh, a very great record. It came out a few months ago. Mm -hmm. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Cool. My number four, Robert Levin Bean. That's the gentleman who usually normally sings in a band called Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he did the soundtrack for the movie, The Card Counter. Oh, wow. And okay. I'm, I'm a fan of Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. They're definitely one of the coolest bands just from the look. Um, this guy has a great great voice i always loved it about this and the soundtrack the score for the card counter is it is 80 percent noise ambient but like a very melancholic like real score music and we all covered like we covered my love for score music before but there are some songs that he did by himself and this movie is about like i mentioned before about a guy who travels alone so he's he has a style but he has his modus operandi and he's just a single guy walking between the ropes uh, between the people and it's very it's kind of a sad story because he has no one that actually is attached to him he knows all these creepy people that like hang out in casinos all these failed existences and he's going all solo until he finds someone that he believes in and the the songs are like the the actual pop songs he did or rock songs they're like gloomy melancholic songs for people that are alone a lot and i well <laughs> kind of fall in this category i guess yeah um and it has this whole score has like a longing to it the songs are excellent and um 
Yeah, man, I, I don't know. Like maybe at some point going back to it, this movie will rank higher and I will really say like it's one of the best movies. But the score is great. So it's Robert Levin being the card counter soundtrack. Yeah. That's another another thing I need to check out too, definitely. So this is good for me yeah. too, to hear this. Yeah. My number four is uh, the new LP by a band called Black Ops. And the record okay. is called The Heroic Dose, which, um, you know, for those of you out there who are familiar with uh, psychedelic drugs, there's probably a re reference to that. Um, Black Ops are from Austin, Texas, and uh, they are a hard-to-define band because they combine ambient noise, harsh noise, and noise rock, and... I guess like neurosis style metal, like that sort of thing, all together into this very intense blend of sounds. And um, yeah, that that record just came out like a week ago. And uh, it's a, it's uh, I ordered the LP, which hasn't arrived yet, but it, you can check it out on like Spotify and you know Apple Pop, Apple Music and all that stuff. That uh, sounds like music you want to listen to at uh, under the Christmas tree with your parents. After taking uh, LSD or, or eating <laughs> mushrooms, yes. <laughs> well, if your parents from that time, maybe that's a good gift for Christmas. <laughs> wow, that, that sounds like an intense record, man. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they have a, a bunch of other material out too, but this, this new one really is like uh, kind of like the culmination of all the years that they've been a band. And I think it's uh, one, of the, one of the best releases to come out this year. Okay. That's uh, interesting. I'll put this on my list. That's like, I already see like our playlist. This will be crazy different. Like all the tracks from this year, if we mix things together, um, interesting. Should be a good blend. But yeah, that's cool. I like this. I don't like playlists where it's like 20 times the same song. Yeah, they're all the yeah. same tempo. It's all like, uh, <laughs> like just like 200 yeah. the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Hyper blasting for two hours straight. Yeah. Okay, so number three. Now here we go. There's um, this year. There are three black metal records that um, really grabbed my attention to a degree that I would say I really enjoy them. All three of them, I will totally butcher their names now, but it's like like two of them will be my runner-ups. But this one is the only metal record that made it into my top three, and it definitely has the shittiest stuff to pronounce. So the band is called Fluisteras. So, Mike, how do you spell Flustras? <laughs> you got there's an F there maybe I don't know. Good question. Yeah, um, no, it's it's really it's it's F L U I S T E R A A R S Flustras. It's Dutch. Um, I mean, people, don't worry. You don't have to try to write this down. I'll post uh, I'll post it on our Instagram. Like I will take. Uh, top five the pictures so you have the links to the band camp of all these bands um Flusteras is from the bubble of Turia and these other great Dutch black metal bands the the label is Heresis Novio Magi and they're released through Eisenwald a German label that is also excellent um and the record is called uh, okay here we go Gegrippen door de Geest der Zielkonstlucking or something I don't know it's Flusteras are a weird band. It's pretty much two people. Our one guy is a multi-instrumentalist and one guy is singing. 
and the guy that is the multi-instrumentalist like writes all the stuff and they have a bunch of records out two years two years ago last year they released a record called bloom which is which is uh, to bloom and it has like poppy poppy flowers on the cover and looks all colorful and to say these this band sounds like deaf heaven wished they would sound like <laughs> it so they are able to incorporate this shoegazy pop thing into black metal, but in a very different way. And the new album, it's only three songs and it's just, it starts and it's very melodic. It's not harsh. So it's very um, great, great to digest black metal, but very interesting. Like them, these Dutch guys, the way they write riffs and melodies is just outstanding. And they are such an outstanding band. Um, and one thing I loved about this record, not only that it is great three songs, but I i mean, you know as well as I do that all the bands and all the labels now have like pre-order, like five different colors. You yeah, know, everything totally. is gatefold. And, and uh, if you're on Nuclear Blast, you will have like 20 different colors because of all the people that they need to like make happy. And I think they kind of like said, fuck this. So what they did is all the records are black vinyl, but on the, the front cover is white and has like a picture of a tree in the middle. And what they did is there's two different versions where there's is a cutout for the picture and the inner sleeve is either yellow or red. Oh, okay. So the limited edition is not the limited vinyl, but it's the limited inner sleeve. And I think that's cool because I've never seen something done like this. Um, these Dutch guys are crazy, and I know most of them, and this is fantastic. It's definitely unlike all the black metal that came out this year. If you dig stuff like Blut aus Nord, um, Turia, Yellow Eyes, um, so the more trippy, melodic black metal stuff that is not about aggressive feelings, then this would be something you dig. Yeah, That sounds cool. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, uh, do not like death heaven. Uh, so, um, no, 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 that's not a, please, please people don't, also not you, Mike, don't confuse. It doesn't sound like death heaven, Okay. but they, they wish they could do what these guys do to incorporate pop sensitivity in their writing of the music with the riffs into this black metal thing that is authentic and real black metal and not like this children's birthday party that death heaven is doing. Yeah, Death Heaven probably wishes they didn't suck and also can play their instruments and play in time. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking music for mouth breathers, if you ask me. So, yeah. Well, so I, I assume that the new Death Heaven record is not in your top five then. No. <laughs> um, but my number two record is, you know, this is uh, Ars Magna Umbre. That's the name of the band, and the the title of the, of the LP is "Thrown Between Between Thrown," not "Thrown," but "Thrown" T H R O N E Thrown Between Worlds. Okay. And um, yeah, it's just it's I've been on this trip of like European black metal that's like very dark, um, with with a lot of mood in it. And it's uh, there's like mm -hmm. a lot of blasting and fast, you know, guitar, fast drumming, but also 
uh, tons of guitar layers and um, melodic guitar lines and just like, you know, it's, it's brutal, but also there's a lot of emotion involved too. And, okay. Uh, yeah, definitely worth checking that out. That's like my number two of the year. It's, it just came where, out. Where are, they? I, where, um, where are they from? Where the hell are they from? That's a good question. I know they're European. You know, it's funny. I should have wrote that down while I was putting this list together. <laughs> we were focusing on the 10 million shows we watched in the last two years. <laughs> yeah, but still in all, I should have wrote this down. <laughs> oh, they're Polish. Just I was going to say Poland, but uh, oh, okay. but I also I didn't want to like be wrong. But yeah, they're from Poland. Yeah. And there's, okay. as you know, there's a ton of great Polish bands, you know, McGuire, yes. you know, yeah. is one of them. And, you know, so they're, they're part of that whole, like, like Polish explosion of great bands. Okay. But they, they're your number two. Did you skip I'm sorry. your number three? They're, they're my number three. I'm sorry about that. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's like too many numbers. Too many right? numbers here. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it's like top, top, like top five of movies and shows, and with two people, it's like I, I don't know if anybody's still listening to this, but yeah, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So we've got our number threes down. I'm with number two now, right? Yes. Okay. So um, I mentioned this before: German post-punk band called Bleib Modern with the record "Afraid to Leave" is my number two. Bleib Modern translates to "Stay Modern." Um. Very hip kids playing dark wave, but I didn't care a lot for their old stuff, but this record is excellent. They've got three guitars, very twangy guitars. I would say it has like the sound of a, of a Roland, Roland S. Howard record or, um, or like birthday party, but rather melancholic and mid tempo ish. Um, Saw them live a couple of weeks ago. Wasn't a big fan of them live, but the record holds up, and I played this a whole bunch. Um, yeah, man, if you like contemporary dark wave, um, very gloomy, very reduced, great, great vocals, great singing. Um, yeah, this is a great record for uh, dancing alone in your room, I guess, or something. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, Black Modern, Afraid to Leave, number two for this year. My number two is Ropes of Night, Impossible Space, <laughs> dude. I and I, you know, I know that you gave me twenty bucks to say that, but uh, <laughs> no, dude, I was blown away by this record when it, when you sent it over, man. And it's like I think to me, I if it sounds like it could have come out like on a major label, if you ask me, man. I was like, this is like, um. And I'm not trying to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm using this just as a description, but it's like Interpol if they had better lyrics. Wow. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I, yeah. I don't know if yeah. that's a, offending anyone out there, but I, I'm personally a fan of Interpol's, but I've always cringed at the, at the lyrics. And Ropes oh. of Night takes, I thought, what I thought would be Interpol's uh, strong points is their, their songwriting, like the actual songs without the lyrics, but put thoughtful lyrics together and it's, it's, you can dance to it. You can hang out alone and listen to it, you know, and stare into the void if you want. 
<laughs> and it's applicable for all of those things. And it's I thought it was an incredibly wonderful record for 2021. Oh man, I'm I'm well, I'm blushing. Thanks so much, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad glad it's like you dig it that much. Yeah, I'm still really really proud of this band and what we accomplished with like writing this record and i mean i still wish that i was the one singing but yeah <laughs> but tom but tom's tom's voice he's such a good singer and also like he found the right words and the right moods for the songs that i wrote he totally got what i want like and uh it's just like yeah for you i think you can hear that the, there are four people that are very uh educated in music and that have played in bands for a long time but like do something together for the first time and like a lot of like reviews said this sounds like an 80s record that came out now but it doesn't sound like a new band but like an old band that has just been around for so long and that's the biggest compliment because i don't want it to want it to, to sound like one of these modern dark wave bands well that's exactly the i was going to bring that point up too because like everyone in the last couple of years, it seems like everyone's like, oh, I, I have a post-punk band. I have this band. I got that type, you know, I'm in a metal band, but I want to do like this uh, new wave band or something, you know? And, and um, it just sounds like most of, most of a lot of that stuff just sounds like, okay, we're going to put on this, this overcoat that's in this style, but mm. it sounds like authentic with you guys. And it's, um, it's not just like, oh yeah, I'm going to like use a different guitar setting and, and make, something that sounds just like something else. It really is original and unique. And like I said, it just sounds that that's a very good description of what it sounds like. An old an older band making a new album, even though you guys are new. <laughs> cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, appreciate it. And uh yeah, I really, really hope that we can uh go out next year and play more. We're going to record a seven inch. We've got two new songs and uh, I like the direction it's going. And uh, I mean, knowing the way I operate now that Ulta, we tracked the new record and it's going to the pressing plant soon. Um, I have capacity, so we'll start writing new Ropes of Night stuff now. And so I guess by the end of next year, there will be a second record. Yeah, That's great, man. I can't wait. Dude, thank you so much. Um my first one and uh i never in a million years expected me to say this and i i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure that you don't like it it's the fuck <laughs> it's the fucking new quicksand record man distant populations oh, okay. it's like i walter schreifels you know like he's one of the guys with the voice that either people love or they fucking hate it and i can understand this and i was a fan of quicksand when they came out i liked the first rival schools a lot that helped me like in dark times and i always dug it then quicksand came back together and released a record that did nothing for me but this one at long someone was like okay this is the most ugly artwork i will see all year because it just looks terrible uh, it looks like yeah, your guy like your black ops friends like doing LSD and painting <laughs> with like children's <laughs> colors, and it's just like wow. Um, but then it's like okay, you know, I'm in the car driving back from work. It's like I need something that is like up tempo and just like yeah, let's try that new quicksand. And you know what my thesis is that Walter 
finally gave room to the guy who plays bass in Deftones. Um, I, I'm totally missing out the name right now, but he plays in Quicksand too. Yes, yeah, Sergio. And some of, yeah. yeah, right, Sergio, right. Some of these songs could be straight up Deftones songs without the new metal elements. So it has the same catchiness and mel melody of the of the guitars. And then I was like, okay, this is cool. So I'll play it again. And I kept on playing it back and back. And, and I like the lyrics. I like the words that he wrote. I like the harmonies. It's just a really, really good contemporary rock record. And yeah, so I can't say it, believe it. But yeah, 2021, Quicksand is my number one. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I'm not a fan of their music, but maybe I'll check it out just because, you know, you like it. So we'll give it, give it a listen. Yeah. Yeah. My number one is actually tech. It's an EP. I wish it was an LP, but it's still, I, I can't cut it any other way. This is my favorite record. One of my favorite record of the year is uh, Galdsveard, The Humming Mountain. Okay. Or, you know, Gall, the uh, former uh, yeah. vocalist of uh, Gorgoroth. Yeah. Yeah. continuing with the exploration of just darkness that he started with his first LP, um, this this is like more of the same type of stuff where it's just like this somber... I mean, I don't know if he's ever listened to The Swans, but it's like... It sounds yeah. like that, you know? It's in that 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 vibe of like The Swans, you know, uh, Carl McCoy yeah. kind of music. It's... I just can't stop listening to the fucking record. And there are a couple of more metallic songs on it too, but it's yeah. it's just one of those things that his voice when he's doing this style, it just sounds so bleak and and has this like lonely quality to it. And um yeah, I mean it's not, you know, traditional black metal, but you know, it just in spirit there's that black metal spirit, but it's just being expressed in a completely different way. Yeah. I mean, that's the impression I had from the first record they did. Yeah. And uh, I didn't even know that this came out this year. So I'll have to check this one out. Gal is an interesting person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's very, very, a man of few words, but very interesting. Yeah. Yes. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I mean, there's a bunch of like these short, shorter formats that, that came out this year where I think like, man, this needs more i need more of this and that's why i have stuff like this in my runner-ups but yeah man gal and quicksand look at us <laughs> we're so we're we're so so close with so many things but yeah this i mean this is just the weird year um but i'll check that gal one out i'm really curious yeah yeah so all right runner-ups sure i got them all right what uh you want to start yeah, I'm just going to list two because I have a list of like 20 records actually, but I'm going to list okay, like okay, okay. The, the two that I want to like, uh, you know, really, really focus on. Um, oh. One is a record called Open Roads by a new band called Deeper Graves, which mm -hmm. uh, features Jeff Wilson from Nocmistium. And um, it's, and also uh, uh, Bruce Lamont, I believe, is the singer in this band. And it's, um, yeah, like uh, dark wave, like nah, not, not dark wave necessarily, but like a death rock kind of thing. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just really worth checking it out. Check them out on Bandcamp. And then mm -hmm. uh, now this one, Cannibal Corpse's Violence Unimagined is, as far as death metal goes, like 
probably the best death yeah. metal record to come out this year. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's just it is like the name is so fitting for this record. Yeah. Um yeah, it's it, it's incredible how they go on and have been going on for so long and they still know what they do and it's still always on top. Oh yeah. 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 Um my number one runner up it's actually, again, like you said, it's a short one. It's just two fucking songs, and it craves me to get more because they have an album out, an earlier one, but it doesn't do the trick for me as much as this. But Murder Baits, when the sun goes down, it goes down forever. Yes. You turn me on to them. This, They're great. Yes. Yeah. This song, like the title, like it's just two tracks of eight minutes, but the title track but with this name, it's just the soundtrack for this year. It feels like... I mean, right here now, it was a rainy, gloomy Sunday, Saturday after the show yesterday. You know, Christmas lights are out. I'm looking outside into the darkness right now. And it's just like when the sun goes down, it goes down forever. I really need more murder bait next year. And um, I hope that they play shows and I can see them at some point. Um, another runner-up, completely different again. There's the first posthumous released Prince record that came out this year, Born to Die. Oh wow. Okay. I wasn't aware yeah, of that. It's not it's of course not not like Prince's best work, but how could it? But it's still a fucking new Prince record and it's great. If um it's my my driving home after a fucked up day of work, I need some positivity. Um yeah, this guy always delivered. Um I got to say, through you, through the Everything Went Black podcast, I found this episode with an old buddy of yours um, who has this new band called Rid of Me. Oh, yeah. Okay. And yeah, and this stuff, their EPs were great, and they just released a new record, and I haven't listened to it yet. So I'm curious to hear that. It has like a lot of traits that I'm into. Um, Max Richter composer he released exiles this year which is a compilation also great a balmorea the wind also it's uh, ambient orchestra music more like a film soundtrack and then i would just want to give praise to two black metal records the one is called a band called skin live and uh again a title there danish int i shove until and tit or something it's on that great label natatale and this record sounds, it's only available on tape, and it's one of these labels that are like doing just limited stuff, and you can't get it on Bandcamp or something. Uh, and on Spotify or stuff, Bandcamp they have. And it sounds like um, if you would re record Enslaved Frost, but with a more punk spirit, but it's totally crazy and fast as fuck and gloomy. That's awesome. And the other one that just came out, and I think if it came out a bit earlier, that it would have made my top five. And I will, I know this is something you will really love. It's a, a Swiss black metal band called Tadrigada. And they released a record from, from Bruch bis zur Freiheit. This, uh, and uh, translated means uh, from breaking until freedom, mm, okay. which is. And. If I would compare them, I would say if Drutk sounds like they make music in the Polish forests, they are the Drutk of the Swiss mountains. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm a big fan of Drutk, definitely. Yeah. 
I, yeah. in general, I like that guy's most of his bands. You know, like um, yeah. Windswept and uh, you know even Hate Forest. Yeah. Even though it's not PC to like Hate Forest, I still think they're cool. Yeah, and Tatrikada, there. I mean, there's this big scene. We talked about it also before in the podcast. Like this, this Helvetic, Helvetic black metal, like the Swiss black metal. They have got a lot of great bands, and Tatrikada, they're like, they they know these guys, but they don't hang out with the cool kids. And they just release these great records all, like every other year. And this new one, again, it has like a lot of interludes which are ambient. And it sounds like it has this atmospheric approach that Mugwa has or Drutk. But it really sounds like it's written on a snowy mountain in Switzerland. So, yes. yeah, that's especially now for the cold time of the year. Uh, I think people will dig it and I think you will dig it too. I'm going to check that out, man, for sure. Definitely yeah. send me links, though, because uh, I'm not going to understand yeah. how to spell any of these <laughs> names. But. Yeah. yeah. I'll, like, like, like I said beforehand, we have our p playlist now. We will add all the stuff, more than just the records that we just mentioned, but from all our runner-ups, we will just make a great playlist for you guys. We will post uh, on Instagram. There will be separate postings for top five movies of Mike with the film posters, top five shows for Mike and also for me. Um, also with the record, Bandcamp link. You will, will, we are going all in with the Instagram. So you will find us there and you will get the best updates there. And yeah, I think that wraps it up, man. There was a lot of stuff. I hope people didn't fall asleep. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for listening if you're still left uh, at this point of the show. So, yeah, and uh, I hope everyone has a great holiday. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you next year, man.
ocean Waiting for the big show The big show Waiting for the big show Like the Count of Monte Cristo I will dig in the 